Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Say your family member, your spouse, has an old, evil, arch enemy. And you're buddy-buddies with them, and you're calling them and texting them, and you're going out to eat with them. How long is that going to work? They can say, what are you doing? You know that person tried to destroy me. They hate me. Get them out of your life. You can't be friends with them and me both, right? You can't, like, worship the devil and then say you love Jesus. You can't be going after the world and living like the world and then try to be God's best friend. It doesn't work. You have to choose your friends and your enemies accordingly. Yes? Do you see it? So you've become a Christian. Now you've got to dump some people. Have you done that? Nice to drink and party. You've got to dump those, you know, drinking buddies, you know, that best friend that you did drugs with and snorted lines, whatever. They've got to be out. <laughs> you've got to cut them off. Oh, yeah, you know, me and my friends would party and gamble. And you've got to cut them off, push them out. They ain't your friend. Do you know that? Yeah, do some unplugging, some deleting, uh, unfriending. <laughs> Crazy. Verse 5. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. It's the Ten Commandments. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I'm jealous for you. I hunger for you. I want you. I think about you. I know everything about you. The hair is on your head. I think about you day and night. I know you better than you know yourself. That God would be obsessed with us. And when you become a Christian and you ask Christ into your heart, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, and the, the unity of the Trinity, the Father wants to connect with the Holy Spirit inside of you. He wants to connect with your spirit. He wants to be in communion and close fellowship and intimacy with you. Do you see it? Repent of your pride. Humble yourself. Verse 6. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What causes us to fight and argue and they push that button and they bring up that old thing and they say the wrong words and then your pride and your memories and it all comes up. Let go of the pride. Swallow your pride. Let it go. You know, God's been doing a work on me. I've had people that have hurt me, stabbed me, close friends, uh, traitors, best friend dating my girlfriend, you know, just horrible things. And you've got to let it go. Because sometimes then God brings new people, new relationships, and I'm letting that old experience ruin the new. Because the scars, the pain, the pride... Sometimes you have to, as a Christian, you have to humble yourself. God will give you grace. Verse 7, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. James is big into doing. 
He says it's not enough to hear it. You got to do it. So what do you want me to do? Submit to God. Oh man, the devil's been working on me. Are you resisting him? Are you cutting him off? Are you hanging up on him? Are you disconnecting him? Are you slamming the door to the devil? And if you do, he will run. Remember Jesus battling the devil 40 days in the wilderness, fasting without food, and Satan tempts him. And he battles the devil by quoting scriptures out loud. That's what I do. I'll have some powerful verses. I know my weaknesses. I have the verses and I say them out loud. Sometimes I yell them at the devil. Sometimes I write them, put them on my mirror above my bed, in my bathroom, in my car. And I use these powerful scriptures to battle the devil. And then he gets out of my life. And I have peace. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Why am I so far from God? Well, you've kind of drifted away. <laughs> you've kind of run to the old life and you've chosen bad friends. And you need to make steps. We say, put feet to your faith. And you need to make steps toward God. And every time you make a step toward God, another step, another step. He's making steps towards you. You know, I think of Adam and Eve, and they sinned, and God is walking in the garden, and they hear the footsteps of God, and they run and they hide among the trees. And God says, Adam, where are you? Something is bad in paradise. It's all fallen apart, the sin. And man has run from God, hiding from God, and God's giving him a chance. Where are you? Where are you? Kind of like a child. You ever play hide-and-go-seek with a child? Here I am. But Adam didn't want to be found by God because of his sin. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The priesthood, when they'd come to God's holy tent, his tabernacle, they had a huge bronze basin of water, this gigantic tub, and they would wash their hands and they would wash their feet before they go into God's tent and do their sacrifices and their ceremonies. If you're ever in Orlando, you have to go to the Holy Land experience. And there they have reconstructed the tabernacle tent. And the high priest comes out with all his garb, and he's got the 12 stones on his chest. And he does the sacrifice of the lamb. He washes his hands in the basin. He comes into the holy place, and he brings in the bread, and he lights the menorah. And then he has the blood of the lamb, and once a year, but of course it's a reenactment. They do it every hour, you know. He comes into the holy place, and he sprinkles the blood on the Ark of the Covenant, and then, I don't know how they do it, but the Shekinah glory comes down in thunder and lightning and power, and he kind of trembles, the high priest, you know. And it's so incredible to see the historical reenactment of the tabernacle tent. You got to see it. But God's saying, clean up your act. Wash your hands. Purify your heart. 
I think of Shakespeare's Lady Macbeth. She was way worse than her husband, so wicked and treacherous and selfish, and she wanted to be queen and kill anyone in her path and work her way up, and she had blood on her hands. But she had spiritual blood on her hands, and through the whole play, she's always trying to wash off the blood, cleanse my hands, get the blood off my hands, and she cannot. Because the only thing that will get the stain and remove the guilt and set you free from your past is the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only the cross that can wash away and separate you from all that anger and meanness and rage and guilt and revenge, all that garbage. you got to lay it at the foot of the cross. That's how you get clean. Verse 9, be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. What I thought the Christian life is like, happiness and joy and laughter. Well, this is what we call repentance. And if you remember the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. You see, if you can acknowledge your mess and your sins and your hang-ups and your vices and your addictions and your garbage and your past, and you can cry over it and be repentant and show God you're truly sorry and show fruit and acts of repentance, like I'm going to close the door to it, I'm going to burn it, I'm, I'm going to destroy it. God, I'm really sorry. And if you show those tears, your tears will be turned into joy and you're mourning into dancing because you're unloading it. You're getting rid of it. You're, you're giving it to heaven. You're, you're casting it on the body of Jesus as he died for your sins on the cross. He took our sorrows, our griefs, our shames, and our sins. So you got to cry first before you laugh. Can you cry? Can you cry before God with all of your past? Can you humble yourself and acknowledge it all and get it out and finally face it and pull it all up and finally be rid of it at the feet of Christ? Verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. See, a lot of people, they can't do it. I don't want to go to church. I, I don't need a Bible. I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven. That's what we call pride. You have to say, I'm a wretch. <laughs> My life is messed up. I'm this filthy, horrible sinner. That takes a lot of pride to say it. When I work with people with addictions, sometimes I tell them, you have to say it. I want you to say, I'm an alcoholic. No, pastor, I won't say it. You haven't hit bottom yet. Say it. Say it to me. Say it to God. Admit your sin. Admit your vices, your addictions. That's the first step. Get it out. Give it to God. Humble yourself. And if you will do that, then Jesus will exalt you. He'll lift you up. He'll bless you. He'll do great things. Us thinking of the story of Joseph. Oh, man, if anyone had anger and revenge and had a good reason, his brothers betrayed him. They sold him, made him a slave for money. 
taken to Egypt, treated like a human slave, whipped and abused and falsely accused. He tried to rape me, that slave, lock him up, goes to jail, hits bottom so low in a prison cell. And man has turned against him. His own family betrayed him. But God was doing a work, and God was exalting him and promoting him and moving him up through the jail, set him free, powerful houses. He ends up becoming second to Pharaoh of the whole empire, probably the second most powerful man in the world, Joseph. So men may put you down. You may have a horrible past, sins. You know, uh, my family, this person betrayed me. They did this horrible thing against me. I know. <laughs> we all have a story. I have a story. I've had horrible things done to me, vicious things. I've heard stories from church members, and I cry, and I weep with them, and I can identify, hey, we all got a story but we have to give it to the Lord and we have to get healed and get beyond it and don't stay stuck. Don't let your past destroy your future. Join God's plan. Can I tell you, God doesn't want to join your plan. Your plan is a wreck. Your plan's always going to fail. It's a mess. So give up your plan and join his plan your life. Verse 11, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. It's not your place. It's not your position. You're not the judge, jury, and executioner. Well, I've got to judge this person. I've got to straighten them out. I've got to fix them. I've got to save the day. You can't save anybody. <laughs> I don't think we can really change anybody. You've got to pray. Give them to the Lord. Let God change them. I found just to love people, accept them where they're at. I can't change them. And if you try to change them, you just get, it, get frustrated. Verse 12, there is one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and to destroy. Can I tell you, God can be your best friend or he can be your worst nightmare. You know, Jesus can be your prince of peace and your lover and your savior or he can be your worst warrior. Wait when he comes back to earth. He's got a lot of enemies. But who are you who judge your neighbor? 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Oh, Pastor John, I got all these plans. I'm going to marry this person. We're going to buy this white picket fence house and have all these babies and I'm going to get this job and we're going to retire and we're going to go on this world cruise and we're going to you know, live on the beach in California. And lo and behold, all your plans blew up and you're stuck here in Reno, Nevada. Where's the beach? That's what I said. God, where's the beach? <laughs> I thought this was, and I planned this and that, and I was supposed to be the CEO, and I was supposed to get the promotion, and I was supposed to, you know, marry my childhood sweetheart, and what's going on? <laughs> your plans are blowing up. It's not your plan as a Christian. It's God's plan. Yet, you do not know 
what your life will be like tomorrow. You know that? Tomorrow you could get hit by a Mack truck. Tomorrow the doctor says the report came in, you got cancer. Your lover died. <laughs> you lost your job. The house got foreclosed. The dog ran away. <laughs> You know, every, every day brings its new challenges, right? Jesus said, take one day at a time, right? Because each day has enough trouble of its own. You are just like a vapor that appears for a while and then vanishes away. This is you. I'm getting my glasses. I'm going to fog them up. And so quickly, the moisture dissipates. You know, the mirror, your windshield you know that's you you're like fog you're like a vapor and within seconds it's gone see from god's perspective you're in and you're out you're just so quick like a little flower a little weed that comes and goes get god's perspective on life 15. instead you ought to say if the lord wills we will live and also do this or that so when you make your plans, put God in your plans and allow his contingencies and his changes. Well, if it's God's will, I'll marry this person. If it's God's will, I'll take that job. If it's God's will, I'll move here. If it's God's will, I'll do that ministry. Didn't Jesus say that in the Lord's Prayer? Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Didn't Jesus say that in the Garden of Gethsemane? You know, I don't really want to drink from this cup of crucifixion and all this and separation and taking the sins of the world. And he's agonizing and battling the cross in prayer before he faces it the next day. And then he says, but not my will. Father, I will do your will. I will drink from the cup. Good thing, because if he didn't, we'd be all doomed. So Jesus sought the Father's will, and we seek God's will. God, what is your will for my life? 16. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. 17. Therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. It's not enough to just stop doing bad. Well, I'll stop sinning. I'll stop doing bad. It's not enough. You must do the good. That person's in need. You know, I was like, okay, God, I'll just, I'll just give him my extra hamburger. And God's like, no, you're not going to give him a hamburger. You're going to take him into the restaurant. You're going to sit with them. You're going to listen to their story. You're going to cry with them. You're going to pray for them. And you tell them about me. And you're going to pay for their meal. I'm like, God, I can't do that. I got too much stuff. This is your plan today. Do my will. <laughs> you ever do that? And God says, no, I've changed your plan. Here's, I've sent this person to you. Here's what you're to do. Follow my plan. You need to join God's plan. You need to read his Bible with prayer. God, speak to me from the Bible. What's the plan for today? And you need to join God's plan and see where he's working and join the Holy Spirit. What does it all mean? 
what am I to do? End the war. Wave the white flag of surrender. And Jesus wants your unconditional surrender every day to give it all completely. God wants peace in your life. The author to The Peace Child is coming to Washoe County in a couple months. Peace Child, the famous book and the famous movie, true story of missionaries. They went to this tribe of natives and they were vicious and brutal and they'd spear the other tribes to death and they were just so warlike. The missionaries couldn't handle the battle and the violence and the death and the mayhem and they tried to bring the gospel story and when they interpreted the gospel to the, of them of the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus, all the natives loved Judas Iscariot and they thought he was the hero of the story. <laughs> and the missionaries were just shaking in horror. No, Judas, he's evil, he's deceitful, he betrayed Jesus. And in their culture, they think that's great to betray and to hurt and to stab each other in the back. That's what they loved. And the missionary said, God, we can't reach these people. They're evil, they're so violent, they're at war, they will never stop. Show us. And finally, the war got so bad between the tribes that they decided to make peace. But in their culture, the way you make peace is the chief must give his baby, his baby boy, to the chief of the other tribe. Give him away. And that chief and his wife will adopt that baby and love that baby as his own. And as long as that baby lives, there will remain peace between the tribes. And finally, the missionaries had the story. And they came to the natives and they said, God wants to make peace with you. And God has given the peace child, the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven. God sent him down and he became human. And God has given you his only begotten son so that he can make peace with you. And as long as that baby lives, and Jesus is risen from the dead never to die again, he will always have peace with you. And the tribes get saved because they understood the peace child. True story, true book. You could read it. Get the book. God has sent the peace child to you. The Prince of Peace. The one who speaks peace, shalom, peace. The one who gives the spirit of peace. The Holy Spirit who gives the fruit of the spirit, which is peace. Do you want peace? Stop the war. Stop the war from within. And then stop the war from without. Make peace with God first. Then make peace with his family, the church, and then make peace with his world. And Jesus said, even your worst enemy, I will show you how to love them and forgive them. End the family feud. Forgive, forget, be transformed, become brand new. Allow the work of the Holy Spirit to change you every day. Stop fighting. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the peace child, 
and we receive you as our Prince of Peace. Bring peace to our soul. Help us to make peace with your Heavenly Father. Be our mediator, our sacrifice. Lord Jesus, bring your Holy Spirit of peace and Holy Spirit of God. Give us the fruit of peace in our souls. Help us to stop the fighting within us and to stop the fighting outside of us and to make peace with you, Lord God, and with your people and with your world. Forgive us of our sins. May we humbly come before you and admit our faults, our angers, our battles, our hatreds, and humbly bow before you and allow you to lift us up in your perfect timing. For we pray all these things in the name of the Prince of Peace, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno, at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775 746 4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.